Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of the Lock of Law 2 podcast. I'm your host, Larry Wiggs, and I have an in-studio guest today, Mr. Mr. What would you like to call yourself? What would you like to be known as? Or Oh man, I didn't have your mic up. Let me turn your mic up. Say that once again. Turn my mic up. I can't hear myself. I can't hear myself. <laughs> turn my mic up. Here he is. Here's my in-studio guest. What? What's your name? Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. <laughs> I'm supposed to say who. Try that one again. What, uh, hi, welcome to the show. What's your name? <laughs> Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Oh, my goodness. All my passwords are Mike Jones. I just find it funny. All right. All my usernames. No, my name is uh, Mike Harris from Cleveland, Ohio. All right. I'm um, Larry Legend here for probably about five years now. Why, thank you. He used the, the moniker that I'd like to... Uh, promote. Oh, there are other monikers. <laughs> oh, oh. He, we will not he, talk about he that. He does not like those stories out in the streets. <laughs> there are other monikers. Oh, man. We can call them something else. <laughs> we will just gloss over that and just can keep it moving, shall we? Um, today, uh, I was uh, visited by uh, Mike because we have some plans in the future for this podcast, which include, um, you know, more episodes of, you know, he and I uh, talking and um, we're also going to launch a YouTube channel, right? Which yes, sir. So we actually filmed uh, some uh, some. We got some footage uh, for the YouTube channel uh, today. So let's clap that one up, shall we? That's what's up, and we have some interesting um, content uh, coming to YouTube in the future. Yeah, we um, we we ran around LA. We got to some food trucks. We saw the scenes. We visited some homeless encampments. It was beautiful. <laughs> it was the best of L.A. And and it, it was it was my pleasure doing this because as an as a native Angelino myself, you know, just getting around the way that we did today, you know, I wouldn't have done it unless I had an agenda. If I needed to go to that part of L.A., if I needed to go to these places, then I would have gone there, but. I wouldn't have just gone to explore on my own. And that's kind of what we did today. We were kind of exploring. And um, it was my pleasure. And I'm glad that, you know, I can kind of see my city through Mike's eyes, you know, because he's from Cleveland, Ohio. And, um, you know, everything is sort of new. I mean, it's really new, right? Yeah. it's uh, And I live in uh, Orange County right now. So even coming up to L.A. is still a – a trip that I don't make too often. Right. So, yeah, that's a, uh, the money here, That's that, it's incredible. Uh, we both lived in uh, Saudi Arabia, and we basically lived in, uh, you can make an argument that we lived in the richest part. We lived in the eastern province. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So, by by we, uh, Mike means uh, he and I. And, you know. Or no, I was talking about the other people in the room. <laughs> no, I'll be I'm talking with, about uh, as we Mojo talk. and his Basquiat painting, and what else is in the room? Oh, he's he's beckoning. He's calling in the spirits. He's calling the spirits into the room with us. Yes, uh, no, but and we have Malcolm X. We've got uh, Brother Frederick Douglass over there. We got Snoop Snoop in the house, y'all. Yeah, this is Black History Month episode right here, number one, the first edition. All right, Mike and Larry. But I mean, um, as we're speaking, as, as you're speaking about. You know, these past experiences in Saudi Arabia, you're referring to our experience. You know, Mike and Larry, we were living in Saudi Arabia and teaching and 
And you were saying about the money? Yeah, where we lived, it was one of the richest provinces of uh, Saudi Arabia. So you would see like the Mercedes Benzes and the Rolls Royces and the Bentleys and things like that. Often. And very often. Yeah, very like at the grocery store and, and it's sort of the same thing out here. I'm from Cleveland where seeing those cars are would be a, a rarity just in general. So you can tell that this is a very, very wealthy community. All right. Then we were down to Skid Row and <laughs> I've never seen so many homeless people in one place. It was disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely, man. It, it is a very sad reality. You know, these Los Angeles streets, what they've become. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we saw the spectrum from, you know, opulence to uh, depraved, abject poverty, would you say? You know? Yeah, and we committed crimes. It was it was beautiful. It was a very beautiful LA day. We committed crimes. Come on now. No, we did not. Yeah, we, we absolutely committed crimes. What on earth? No, nah, I I'm I'm a law abiding citizen. You are absolutely not a law abiding <laughs> citizen. <laughs> what? No, 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 man. I don't Get know. To that other moniker you have. <laughs> oh my goodness, man. Um, let's see. So, yeah. So we captured a lot of video uh, footage today. Um. There was a, a, a very famous uh, Nipsey um, mural uh, downtown in the Arts District. And um, we also made it to the 109 Fire Department yeah, in Bel Air. So that was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, we had a very productive day. We caught a lot of, um, captured a lot of footage. And the one thing I'll say about the, uh, the that 109 Fire Department is, you know, I learned about it in Vegas. I was standing in line, and a woman in front of me had a mask on, which said 109. And that just sent me down my rabbit hole. I'm like, I keep seeing these numbers, 109. So I spoke with her. I said, you know, I wrote a book entitled 109 and after I traveled the globe seeing those numbers. And she was like, yeah, that's not interesting. We're from the 109 uh, Bel Air um, Fire Department, and, you know, we came here to gamble, so, okay, ta-ta. And I'm like, oh, okay. See, she had the exact right uh, impression of your 109 stories. My 109 stories are interesting, intriguing, uh, vexing, perplexing. Uh, they will pique your interest, so you should check out my... You should, you A should sign of insanity. That's cold, brother. That's cold to say. But I'm glad you're here because, you know, I need that... That 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 other uh, opinion, that other side, you know, because I, I yeah, I could literally be losing my mind focusing on these numbers. Not that I walk out of my door every day and say, when will I see 109 again? Don't you? No, absolutely not. Everything you told me, that's what it seems like. It seems that way. But no, can you believe it? I don't go looking for these things. I just I just note them. I document them. And then. And then, look, 13 years later, I write a book about it. And I say, you know what? I don't think this was for naught. I don't think this is just random stuff. Something's happening, y'all. Something is happening. I'm your host, Larry Wiggs. My guest today, Big, Big Mike from Cleveland. And uh, we're talking it, we're chopping it up, talking about our day, talking about, you know, our history, 
We met uh, in Saudi Arabia when we were contractors for this United States government. We were operatives for a clandestine operation. No, it wasn't that Saudi Arabia. What we did was uh, they would uh, round up uh, dirty sand people (laughs) from the deserts of Saudi Arabia. Don't disparage our brothers. These these men couldn't read nor write in Arabic. We were there. That's true, to though. To teach them uh, a foreign language that they were uninterested in uh, learning. So I was uninterested in teaching. They were uninterested in learning, and that's a fake mil- military. That, that'll, that'll sound up, that, uh, that rounds up uh, my experience in Saudi Arabia. Now, didn't you live in Saudi Arabia for a considerable amount of time? <laughs> I've lived in Saudi Arabia three times, three in, in three different uh, eras of in, my life. And a total of how many years did you spend there? Uh, probably about seven or so. Okay. So your time in, in Saudi Arabia almost matches my time in Korea. I was in Korea for nine years. You were in Saudi Arabia for seven years. Now, we share our experience in Korea because uh, you lived in Korea and I lived in Korea. And I think we moved to Korea at the same year, 2007. Yeah, we uh, April seventeenth, two thousand seven is when I arrived in Korea. All right, and I arrived in March of two thousand and seven. Um, we didn't know each other then, of course, um, but I we parlayed our experience in Korea into a career or careers in um, Saudi Arabia or just international. Now you've you taught in South Korea, you taught in Saudi Arabia. And you also taught in Taiwan. That's correct. Okay. I've been fired from many jobs in many different places. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've been arrested in all those countries also. All right. I have neither. I've Okay. I, yeah. I lost some jobs while I was in Korea. Um, now, you knew, I, you did, but I've never, never been arrested, whether it's in America or in international uh, location. Never been arrested. But here's the thing. You, um, what was I going to say? Uh, firing. That's what I was going to say. You you mentioned that you had been fired by a number of jobs. I've been fired from every job I've ever had. Okay, now see, that's terrible. That's just, man, don't you want to, uh, my GoPro just decided to power off. Okay. um. So, that's not a statistic or, or, or a, a badge of honor. You don't want to, I mean, it's, if it's a fact, it's a fact, but don't you want to change that? Not at all. I don't, I don't care. Man. Every relationship ends, and at some point, my employment ends, and then I'll find another job. As I, my my philosophy is, as long as you pay me for the hours that I've worked, I don't care about future hours. But what about finding another job? Does Isn't it difficult having to explain, you know, what happened at the last job? And My, my, uh, my resume is an exercise in creative writing. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> All right. I don't feel the need to tell the complete truth. Okay. And besides, these low-level jobs that I work, they do not do background checks. Low-level low jobs? Yeah, they're all low-level jobs. First of all, the majority of people I've worked for and with don't speak enough English to do a background check in the last 15 years. Oh, you, you mean these international... Uh, the international jobs. Uh, yeah. And the local jobs is low-level nonsense, so who cares? Wow. 
Mm, all right. Well, in my case, I was thinking about my experience, and I, I said, you know, when Mike said that he had been fired from every job, I thought about my experience. I've been fired, but I haven't been fired from every job. And there are, there are jobs that I've had where I could have stayed, and I quit. I quit. I remember the very first job I had in I was I had just graduated from college um after my 7-year run in in school. That's horrible. I got <laughs> I got out and I was hired. Now, what was interesting about the job that I was hired to do is they didn't hire me on the strength of my college degree, but I was hired because I w- I'm a black belt in taekwondo. And the hiring manager told me, you know, your black belt speaks volumes because I know that you are disciplined and that you are uh, committed and you're not just going to give up on on this job. So I'm going to hire you based upon that. And I was like, hello, I'm about to graduate from college. And and, you know, when I when I got hired, I was disappointed. I I stayed there for six months and I, I was disappointed because. My colleagues were high school graduates. <laughs> and I was like, I was making $15 an hour. I was doing payroll. And I was like, there's more for me out there. There's more for me. So, you know, after six months, I was like, I'm taking my college degree and I'm going to get a better job. I'm out. And, you know, for the next two years, I didn't work any longer than four months at any particular job. But I was doing temporary assignments. I didn't stay anywhere for more than four months. They didn't they didn't allow me to stay. They were like, do this. Four months in, they were like, goodbye. They didn't keep me. And I was like, I can't survive like this. I need an answer. And my answer was Korea. Uh, my friend Kevin said, look for jobs in China and in Asia. I said, all right, I'll look. And then I looked. Uh, I didn't look too hard in China because I didn't know anything about the Chinese culture, but I knew that Korean culture was more close to me because I studied the martial art. I had learned a little bit about their language and um, my classmates in school, when I, in elementary school, they were Korean. So with all of that, I said Korea is a better fit for me and I moved to Korea. And And here's the difference. You know, we were talking, we mentioned, you know, money the 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 experience here in Los Angeles. Here's what happened in Korea versus America. In America, I was living at home with my parents before moving to Korea. I was at home. There was a time when I did have an apartment, so I had to pay rent. I had a car. I was paying a car note, and I was basically unemployed back in L.A. But as soon as I made that decision to fly to Korea, I didn't need a car. Public transportation is excellent in Korea. My job was extremely close to my apartment, okay? Oh, yeah, and I had an apartment, but the apartment was free. I wasn't paying rent. Wasn't paying rent, didn't need a car, and I had a job. 2000 or more, $2,500 about with the with the exchange rate $2500 a month. My life dra- dramatically changed just by moving to South Korea in 2007. Everything I wanted and desired in America 
I I got it in Korea. That's my story. Well, Larry was a broke boy. But when I was in America, and I worked at the Social Security <laughs> Administration, and I was not poor. I had an apartment. I had a car that I was paid for, and I wasn't struggling for anything. I left because <laughs> I couldn't imagine having these old white Jews talking at me for the rest of my life this way. They would talk to me, and, they, and then my bosses would call me in and say, you don't smile at these old white Jews enough. And I was like, you know, I'm not dealing with this forever. So I decided to give the Social Security Administration back their job. and Give them back their job. Yeah, I gave them back their job. Woo. I didn't get fired from that. I would have gotten fired eventually because um, I kept getting into it with management. And what I did was I just uh, kept my head down and I finished my uh, college degree in December of uh, 2016. Then I went to this, uh, this bullshit course called Oxford Seminars to learn how to teach English. And uh, so I'm from Cleveland. I had to drive to Pittsburgh. Uh, it takes about two hours to get to Pittsburgh. So I would do that every Saturday, not either stay over or uh, or drive back home every day. And I did that for four weeks, and then I got a certificate to teach English. And then I went around and tried to get a job for like a month. And then this horrible organization hired me in uh in uh, Korea, and unlike most people, I flew myself to Korea. Most most uh, Americans get flown over, but I flew myself because she said she would reimburse me. So did she reimburse you? Oh, that's a whole story. Because I get there and I get there on a Monday. I said, okay. Uh, so when are you going to reimburse me? Uh, I'll reimburse you tomorrow. No problem. Okay, I come in Tuesday. And I'm already teaching. I'm already in the classroom. It's Tuesday. I get off the plane. I'm in the classroom. Tuesday. Uh, when am I going to get my uh, money back? Uh, uh, we'll get it to you on Thursday. Thursday comes around. Uh, we'll give you your money back. Friday comes around. Still no money. I'm supposed to go teach a Saturday class. So I got to work six days a week. Oh, you got suckered into the same deal that I got suckered oh, into. So Saturday comes around. I didn't go to class. They knocking on my door. Da, 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 da. Uh, you going? We, we need you to go to class. The kids are waiting. I was like, "Fuck those kids!" Hey, 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 hey! Come on now. We got to keep this as clean as possible. Oh I gotta hold on a second. Oh, gotta. Nah, that didn't work. But okay. all right. So, I was like, "Forget those kids," but I used the the expletive, and uh, I'm not going to work. So. That was my first uh, interaction with this company, and we would have many more exciting times between this organization and myself. The boss, when she offered me the job, she said, she said you would like Korea because black people like spicy foods. I was like, oh, okay. Wow. I should have known then what this was going to be about. Wow. I almost got, in a fight. I almost got into a fight with uh, my boss. She's a woman, and uh, <laughs> her gay husband. <laughs> her, her husband's boyfriend worked in the office. I was gonna fight both of them also. Oh and, no! Uh, okay, okay. So let me let me parallel my experience to yours. All right. So, um, okay. One thing I will say: you said that you paid for your flight to Korea, and um, that's different from a lot of people. And I'm glad that you made that distinction because, um, in your case, yeah, that was different. You flew there on your own, and you got. You communicated with that company before you flew out there, right? You 
Yeah, yeah. I had a job. Okay, you had the job. Okay, okay. Got you, got you. Now, some people fly to Korea as a part of a package, as a part of a program. And, you know, they hold their hand uh, throughout the experience and they have uh, a community set up for them. So basically, you were traveling on your own, right? Well, that's not true. I, I just flew there by myself, but they had somebody there to pick me up at the airport and take me to Incheon. No, 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 no. I mean, like a group of uh, a group of teachers, um, like a whole cohort, and they were. You weren't a part of that. You were you were an employee, matched. You you matched yourself with an employer, and they took care of you. If, if anyone held your hand, it was just your employer directly. Right. Right. Okay, there was no program with presentations, videos. No, it wasn't watch. like Epic or right. Epic or anything like that. Right, okay. So that's what I wanted to establish because in my case, I was the same way. I had not gone uh, as a member of any program. I didn't, I didn't go, I didn't know anyone. I was basically desperate in Los Angeles and I was like, I need money, I need security, I need a, a career. And so I hopped on that plane um, after meeting... Um, you know, my employer from, you know, davesesl.com, you know, we, we communicated, he bought my ticket. So that's the difference between your, your travels there. He bought my ticket. And so I made my way there. But the point I want to make is that we, you and I did not go to Korea, you know, as part of a program. This was wholly individual. You know, these were, this is just, Hey, you, you found job. Take a leap of faith, fly there, and you're on your own. Now, here's what I had to deal with. You said it took you a while to get your money back. It took a while for me to even get paid. My boss was like, um, I'm a little short this month. Uh, can you give me a few days uh, to pay you back or to pay you your, um, your salary? And I'm like, a few days, no problem. But when a week rolls around, he's like, uh, I'm sorry it took me a week to get you your money. And I was, that was the first time. I was like, oh, okay, well. But you paid me. And you know, I was managing my finances well enough that it wasn't such a major issue that I let it, I let it slide. The second time it happened, I was quite annoyed that it took him so long to pay me. The third time it happened, he told me, yeah, I don't have the money because... I had to buy these nice, this nice pair of dress shoes. They were quite expensive, and so I had to. <laughs> he told me he had to buy some dress shoes. He took my money to buy a pair of dress shoes, nice dress shoes, you know. And so, um, so those were the three times, and I about had it after that. Um, he finally did pay me, but that was just that was crazy. And I was working on Saturdays like you. When I got there, but you know, my attitude was, I was living at home with my with mom and dad. I was sleeping on the couch, and I had no direction. So when I got the job in Korea, I was like, "Yeah, I'll work six days a week. I'm not doing anything else. I've got the time." I was like, "Hire me." So I was okay with six days a week, but mind you, this wasn't. A nine to five. This wasn't forty plus hours a week. We were working twenty five hours. Yeah, but I worked split shifts, so it it was all day for me. It was like that's another. Uh, that's point, I, yes. I, I I taught uh, preschool up until like noon, 
and I didn't have anything to do, and then I had to teach uh, 7 to 9 at the home office. So it still took up all day. I couldn't just do what I want to after a couple hours of work. And in my situation, she all now I won't say all Koreans play games, but it is quite common for them to play games with the money. And here's the thing. They get their money up front. Before your kid goes to school for uh, that month, they got to pay. So there's no reason why uh, they're not paying you on time. They already got the money for it. They simply set the priority, and you aren't it. And well, no, they, they see here. Here's the thing: they in their culture, they think that uh, paying people is a, a privilege that the owner extends to uh, to to their worker. Wow! So a lot of times you will hear them say, "Oh, you're not nice. You 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 got a bad attitude or whatever about work you've already done." Right. So, so, so for my, my, my attitude was always the minute I don't get paid, I stop working. I'm not going to give you, you already didn't pay for last month's work. Why would I give you more work? So they would come late and I would just not work for a day or two. Wow. And here's the thing. At my job, I was the lowest, it was three, three foreign teachers. I was the lowest paid teacher. I worked the, I didn't work the most hours because the way they, they did it, uh, the other guys, they worked Monday through Friday, but they got all their hours in during that time. I worked six days a week, but my hours sort of were less during the day, I guess. I didn't want that anyway. Plus, I was only getting 2000 Gotcha. And, yeah, like it was all day and whatever. And But, you know, 2000 back in the day, in, in 2007. That is garbage money. That, that was garbage money, but the exchange rate, if you were sending that money back to America at that time, you were putting another $100 on top of that, whatever. No, but see, here's the thing. They've been paying, they, they paid $2,000 in 1999 for teachers. They're paying it in 2007. Yes. They're still paying uh, $2,000 for, uh, for teachers. That's a fact. So it, it's garbage money. It's a waste of fact. time. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back to Korea for. Actually, I wouldn't even go to Korea to visit. There's nothing over there. Wow. The country's dirty. Every wait, wait. single. Uh, Korea every, is a beautiful country. Every uh, Korea is trash. Every single neighborhood is exactly the same. You got the uh, place where they do hand jobs in the barbershop. Korea you got is a the, beautiful uh, country. Karaoke room where. And they do. thank you very much for your time and being a guest on this show. We'd like to thank our guest, uh, Big Mike, and. Uh, we well, look forward to uh, all your future endeavors. Uh, if anything, if anything, I, I, I will let Dave Chappelle uh, speak for me. Oops, that's not Dave Chappelle. Damn it! Y'all need to step your game up. That's. I think that sums it up right there. Chappelle said it best. Y'all need to step your game up. Oh yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to. Another episode of the Lock of Law 2 uh, podcast. Um, I talk about how I see uh, 109. My guest in studio has been uh, Big Mike. Um, Mike's from Cleveland. And we spent the day uh, capturing footage for our new YouTube channel. All right. So check that out. Come looking for us uh, on YouTube. All right. Anything to say, Mike? Nah, man, I'm good. All right, choose a song so we can play our play ourselves out. <laughs> you got rights to music like that.
I mean, nobody really listens to us, so it's not like... You can still get sued whether people listen or not. All right, well, we won't do it like but that. But okay, uh, I would like to hear... Uh, let's see. Put on Trippy Red and Little Uzi Vert. Oh, my Lord. Let me see if I can even find that. I thought I had my music set up, but it's not looking that way. Let me see. This phone should do it. Oh, it works on this one right here. What did you say? Trippy Red. And Little Uzi Vert. Oh, my goodness, man. I don't think. Let me see. Trippy Red, Little Uzi Vert. All right, man. Anything? Any particular song title? Well, they they only have one song together. Holy Smokes? Yes. There it is. That video's coming in, so this is it. Here we go. I see 109. I like to call it 10 9. You can't fit my racks in an arena. White cup filled with purple stuff, it look like freezer. Growing them got hit with that subpoena. Better keep their mouth shut, or we gonna have to clean. I want money all like I'm not shy. Baby girl, 